0: Welcome to the thrills and chills podcast brought to you by Sharebird and Clue. This is a show about establishing product marketing, being the first product marketer and the challenges they faced. I'm JD Prater. For the past decade, everyone was obsessed with finding a growth hacker, but now product marketers are in high demand as companies realize their value. Startups are now asking, when should I hire a product marketer? Should my first marketing hire be a product marketer? A lot of folks wanna be the first marketer, but only a few make the leap. They're the builders, the fixers, the risk takers. They embrace chaos. They're comfortable being uncomfortable. And this is a journey into their world. It's about sharing the thrills and chills of being the first product marketer at a company. Along the way, we'll meet some amazing people. You'll hear engaging stories about imperfect product launches, the challenges and nuances of everyday work, and the skills needed to succeed. And of course, fresh perspective of what it really takes to be the company's first product marketer. Before we meet our guest, we'll pause for a quick word from our sponsors at Clue.
1: Meet Jen. She's selling her division's product to a savvy new prospect. And unfortunately for Jen, she's about to get blindsided. So that sounds great, uh, but your competitor just launched something very similar. Uh, How do you compare? Jen needs to move fast. With a few taps, she leverages up-to-date intel her product marketing team has curated with Clue. Later in the show, we'll hear more on how Clue helps reps like Jen win deals every day.
0: Learn more at clue.com thrills. Today's guest is Stacey Wang, the Director of Product Marketing at Ironclad, where she has spent the last four years working to build out the function of product marketing and establish it as a very early stage startup. Stacy, talk to me about joining Ironclad as their first PMM.
2: So when I joined Ironclad about Almost four years ago. And at the time, there were 10 people. Oh, no, maybe there were nine people at the company, and I was the 10th. And wow. I joined as the first, not just PMM, but first marketer, maybe like third person on the entire business team. Cause at the time, there was like the CEO, there was one saleswoman, and then there, there was me. And it was crazy because Right before Ironclad, I had worked at Palantir, which is a 2,000 some person company. And then before Palantir, my career was in law and a thousand person big law firm. So I went from like several thousand people companies to employee number ten, and it's <laughs> so like, definitely so like
0: one office could house <laughs> like house everybody. Not not
2: an office, JD. It was it was a loft. <laughs> yeah, it, it was residential housing with a (laughs) a residential security guard downstairs. And yeah, I didn't think of it as an interview. I went in to meet the CEO because he had cold emailed me and his email was something very, it was just like a very basic, Hey, I saw that you worked at Palantir and you were a lawyer. Well, a lot of our engineers came from Palantir and we make a software for legal teams. Maybe you should (laughs) come check it out. So, I go to this loft. I ring the little doorbell. I have to get escorted up by the security guard person and then I talk to him in this room. It's I guess it's a bedroom, but it's like a conference room. <laughs> and everybody else is like working, very quiet. Like open air,
0: open air. Like they yeah, can hear it's, everything. It's all- Oh no,
2: they can't hear because there is a wall, but there's like a bathroom in the room. (laughs) And I'm like, I really, I don't think I was intending on, I just wanted to learn about the company. I wasn't really trying to leave at the time, certainly not for a company that was like a 10th, not a 10th, a hundredth. Am I doing the math right? Yeah. Like the size of, but when I sat down to talk to Jason, who is our CEO, the vision that he laid out was just so clear. And I've lived in the Bay Area for many years and I've met a lot of startup founders, and it really was clear that he knew what he was talking about. And then, on top of that, being a, a lawyer, I could immediately understand the value prop of the product that the company was building. And I think that's really key to being a good product marketer is you actually, you have to buy into the vision and you have to understand the product. So that really stood out to me.
0: So that's an amazing story. I I want to, I, I got to dive into a, a few things. Again, you sold me on this loft, but yet it's also scary, <laughs> right? I'm walking Holy. in I'm like, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> How did you evaluate that risk? You've got Palantir growing. It's well-known. We we can look back now in hindsight, going public is something that was definitely probably on the radar at the time, but not where it is now. So how did you think about a nine-person team versus like, this is probably going to happen soon at the company that I'm currently at? (laughs)
2: yeah no i think i like to joke that some part of me the part of me that's risk averse and just a pragmatic human being shut down (laughs) in that instance but um actually there my heuristic at the time was the people Mm. the other nine people at the company like usually at that stage this was before series a usually at the seed stage like anybody can get in off the street is like fine (laughs) but (laughs) The caliber of people that Jason and Kai had assembled at that stage was phenomenal, like through the roof. Everybody had such a an impressive background there. And then Also, not just that the backgrounds were impressive, they came from companies that had succeeded before too. So like Palantir is an example, but there was also the first engineering hire. She was a woman. She was early PayPal, early Palantir, like a... A lot of the folks there were just exceptional, and I thought that spoke a lot to just Jason and Kai's vision and ability to get people to buy into that vision, which has really borne through to this day. And I thought, it so perhaps it wasn't that like my risk radar had shut down. It was more that my heuristic was really good quality people, because a company at the end of the day, it's just like the people. Yeah. Like I, I was definitely convinced at the time that the problem needed to be solved. The problem of basically every company does contracts in a really stupid way needs to be solved. That's <laughs> yes. like a billion dollar problem. Somebody's got to solve it. And I felt like the 10 people in this room are a pretty good, pretty good start. Let's see what happens was <laughs> how uh, I approached it.
0: I mean, if there's one thing I've learned throughout my career, it's like A players want to work with other A players.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: I'm like, I want to be challenged by you. I want to be sharpened by you. And I, there's just something that's infectious about that. And I'm with you hundred percent. Like that piece of information. If you're out there listening, dive into those team in the interviews. Exactly. Also check out their pedigree. It's a great tip. It's understanding where they came from in understanding what they've done previously, not just the founders and like definitely do that, but like understanding who you're gonna be working with on that day to day couldn't be more impactful in understanding what they're within the heuristic model ever. One One thing I wanna ask within your, your heuristic was, what about the ownership piece? Being the first marketer, I, I'm diving into some of that ego <laughs> here, but come on, that, that had to be, you know, some of it.
2: Yeah, I honestly was quite scared about that. <laughs> I wouldn't say- th- That was very exciting to me, but I think just the type of person I am, I tend to be more, it's not that I shy away from ownership. It's something that I've had to learn to seek Mm. and not just be like, I like to put my very best foot forward. Like I like to do excellent work. I don't necessarily like to own everything, but it was a very good and important experience for me to be thrust into that position where- you must be (laughs) the owner of all of these things because then you get over all of that really fast and you get to work on things where you have a tremendous amount of impact. So yeah, does that answer your question?
0: No, I think that's good. It's one of those, in previous interviews, some of our guests are like, no, like I was ready. I wanted to own this function at this company. I was (laughs) not ready. That's not
2: not me. (laughs) That's not me. I was like, let's see what happens. And then it actually ended up, yeah, I'm, I'm more of the roller coaster rider. I'm like, I want to get on the roller coaster. I want to see if this ride is any fun. Yeah. And uh, I got lucky. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun.
0: Oh man, that's so good. With whenever you're like thinking through that, let's talk about like early days, those early challenges. One of those, I, I want to get into the operational side of early challenges, but I, I also want to talk about imposter syndrome.
2: Ooh, Yeah.
0: I know we're getting into kind of Love into that. you, but like, I know in my previous paths when I started a new, it doesn't matter. Like it's a new job at any company. Imposter yeah. syndrome sets in because I don't know as much as everybody else around me. I don't yeah. know if I can handle this. And you just start like I'm not good enough. How did you How did you handle that?
2: Yeah, I first of all, I have to say, I think imposter syndrome is such a funny name because it <laughs> it, it, it seems to me that it shouldn't be a syndrome. It should just be like self awareness that self-awareness. <laughs> right. I don't know when people talk about like imposter syndrome and Dunning Kruger. Like imposter syndrome is of course you feel like an imposter because you haven't done the job. Mm. So you are, by definition, an imposter. But yeah, I definitely have dealt with imposter syndrome at various points in my career, but certainly when I'm starting. And in this case, when I started at Ironclad, I had actually never done product marketing before or even like specifically marketing because palantir they don't necessarily do things the way other companies do (laughs) things but yeah so i was definitely just faking it till i made it the the whole way through but the way i dealt with it was first of all I, i was very lucky in that i think jason and kai and everyone on the team This is why I think, again, it's so important to evaluate the people at the company. Everyone at the team was just so supportive and thrust me into situations that were very like sink or swim. On my very first day of work, I got on a plane to Vegas on my very first day. Very first day. And it was to a conference. Yeah, I'm there (laughs) because there's only three business people at the company. And my first assignment is Jason's a one pager and then try to sell Ironclad. I'm like, I don't actually know what we do yet though. Oh, wow. Okay. Just here's a synopsis. D- does that make sense? I think it makes sense. And then like writing a one pager on Canva because we didn't have Microsoft Word <laughs> okay. and then talking to all these people at this conference, trying to explain a product I really didn't understand and failing miserably several times and then realizing actually who cares? It's fine. <laughs> I think yeah. it's that's the kind of the cycle is you put stuff out there and sometimes it's super well-received and you feel more confident. And then other times it's not, and you're like, actually, it was fine. (laughs) It was like, actually, okay, you know, it's just (laughs) reps.
0: Now we'll pause for a quick word from our sponsors at Clue.
1: Not a day goes by in sales that someone doesn't ask how your product compares. Earlier, a friend Jen dug herself out of a tight spot with Clue, the product marketers platform for handling all things competitive. Clue helps product marketing teams collect intel from coworkers, Slack, emails, and the web, putting it all into one place that's always up to date and giving Jen the superpowers she needs when she needs them. Listen in at the end of this episode to hear how Clue empowers every team across the org with insights, something we call competitive enablement.
0: Learn more at clue.com/thrills. That's k l u e.com/thrills. For those that know me really well, I'm, I'm a huge like uh, Seth Godin fanboy. Ooh, and, me too. Oh, okay, good. Uh, so he has this one line that has just stuck with me. And he says, I have succeeded because I failed more times yes. than you have.
2: Yes. And you're
0: like, oh, that's right. I have to fail to succeed. And yes. so it's one of those things I, I think about constantly, especially when it comes to imposter syndrome or being the first marketer at this company, but you mentioned that you didn't have never really done product marketing. So how did you learn product marketing? How did, you know, outside of writing this one pager and convincing people, but like, how (laughs) did you adapt to that? Did you, were there communities, but probably weren't even communities back then. I feel like Sharebird or PMA are like new, but like, how did you, is it just learn as you go?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I feel like I'm now I'm the director of product marketing at Ironclad, and I still feel like every day I'm learning more about product marketing because I actually think that's inherent to product marketing. Mm-hmm. This is a very highly it's constantly evolving. There's constantly new stuff to learn, and there's different aspects of the business that product marketing can help out with. So I, I definitely I learn by doing though. Like in terms of practical tips, I think. One of the advantages of being an early product marketer and just being the the first marketer is it's very... You know, I never really had the kind of existential crisis that a lot of product marketing teams at larger companies have in terms of like, who's my one master? Like for me, my master has always been the company and what is the highest um, order impact I can make against the company priority? So rather than trying to learn the discipline of product marketing... I approach it as, what's the most important problem I can help the company solve today? I'm just going to focus on figuring out how to solve that. And then at the end of it, like, what do you know? Oh, that was product marketing. Y- yes. You know what I mean? So yep. rather yep. than trying to take yep. off the different curriculum, it's like, mm-hmm. this quarter, we really have to launch this. I don't really know how to do it. Let, let's figure out the most direct way to launch this. Oh, turns out like what I just did, all of that was product marketing. And then like o- over time, just developing your toolbox that way.
0: Yeah. No, a hundred percent agree. Even back in my early days where I'm doing, like working at a nonprofit and I'm like sending out communications to for mm-hmm. engagement. You're like, Oh yeah, that's like part of product marketing because I'm having to communicate, I'm having to write messaging, I'm having to figure out how to get people to understand the story. Because in a nonprofit, you live and die by the story that you're telling. If your donor base doesn't understand the story or the impact or the value that their donation is going to have, you're done, which is very similar to how a product works. (laughs) If people don't understand your product or the value it gives, they're not going to give you money. Um, So if you're out there listening, these are all applicable, like these skills though. I think that's the key too, is being hungry, being able to figure things out is so important, which... It's pretty interesting because I know that you're hiring for PMMs. So sure. <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's just dive into a couple of questions here then. So those early stage kind of challenges and problems aren't there now, but now that you're hiring PMMs, what are some of the challenges you're hoping that they can help you solve? And then part two, what are you looking for in a future PMM? So if people out there are listening, you guys might be able to go out and apply.
2: <laughs> it's a great question because I think what I looked for in PMMs has really evolved as the company has grown. Because PMM, the function is configurable. It's the most yeah. configurable team I think in the the modern business. So, like in the early days, I was looking for folks who are very all around, just like all around all stars. You can do a little bit of everything. You have a ton of range. But now where we're at is so we just raised our Series D round. We're just at a different um, phase in our growth than we were a few years ago. And so I'm looking for folks who can really help scale out specialized functions for product marketing. So rather than one person who does a little bit of market and compete, and then a product line, a little bit of everything, a person who can really own market and compete that entire discipline and then scale that out. Or a person who can really own go to market for a particular segment and then scale that out. So really folks who have seen the playbook work at companies that are our stage and have implemented that playbook a couple of times and can just run with it as soon as they start. So that's what I'm hiring for right now. So if folks are listening and want to apply, please go to (laughs) ironcladapp.com.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely make sure to leave a link in the show notes. All right. So very different challenges. You got a, uh, you know, Series D, which is is so fun because our last episode with Andrew, Coda is like not a Series D, right? Whenever he started, they had just come out of beta and now they're mm-hmm. Series A and very different types of functions. And I, I like how you were talking about, it's really this kind of like specialized skill set. And I like always saying, you've seen the movie before, right? This is the playbook. you Yeah, done you've it. seen
2: the movie. Yeah.
0: And so- If you're out there and you're trying to evaluate, am I like in a series D PMM or am I like a series A? Go listen to Andrew's episode. You'll understand a little bit more generalist, right? You you can flow with things. And now series D, you might be that specialist that can come in and help scale, compete, or really take in a product deeper. And I think those are very valuable tips and things for you to think about even within your own you know, skill set of where do I belong in this? So uh, really good advice. Uh, I'm in, and this is really good. I'm really enjoying this. So I want to dive in on what you're looking for in PMMs. So within PMMs, outside of seeing the movie, you've done the playbook. Give me some, maybe some hard and soft skills that you look for.
2: Okay. So I actually, one of the frameworks I, it's actually hard to evaluate PMMs writ large because there's so many different types, but I've created this framework for myself for evaluating PMMs. And I think of them as either a storyteller PMM or a strategist PMM. And for the storytellers, I'm looking for folks who really, and also to be clear, it's not to say that storytellers aren't strategic and strategists aren't storytellers. I think They definitely are both, but storytellers tend to spike on things that strategists might not spike on. So for Mm -hmm. example, creativity and ability to, and they might prefer things like, not having the end goal bounded they basically they just end up manifesting different types of skills and um strengths so I think like storytellers definitely one category these are people who are like really naturally good at telling and selling the story positioning is like very natural for them C- keen empathy with the audience and they're like motivated by connecting with that audience and then I think like strategic strategists are folks who are more thinking about the big picture market and landscape and the data, and they're more interested in kind of the war plan. Like how do you get from point A to point B? How do you win? They tend to be a little bit more competitive. And so broadly speaking, though, like I think those are the two kind of genotypes, sure. you know, are, are you a creative storyteller? Or are you more of a strategist? Got it. You need both of them on
0: a PMM team. Yeah, 100%. I love it. It's always tough too, because if if you are the first PMM, you probably have some ability to tell stories, some ability to write, some ability to be a strategist, but when you get to this uh, later stage and you're in this growth mindset around, all right, it's time for us to focus and specialize, you're able to then draw upon those strengths of PMMs, which, I mean, what PMM doesn't love playing to their strengths? That's fun. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard journey to keep up with though, for sure. JD, like the journey from like generalist to specialist, Yeah, a a lot of folks don't do it. So they end up just
0: weeding out. It's true. I had uh, someone once tell me, you know, your career is like an hourglass. Mm -hmm. So you start off as this generalist and you Mm -hmm. go towards specialist. And that's usually about the point where you become maybe like a manager. Maybe you're mm-hmm. managing a portfolio of products, whatever, and it gets wide again because now you have to get broad in a different skill set around management and budgeting. Mm-hmm. And now you're having different conversations. And so you're out of this generalist and marketing and specialist in marketing. And now you're becoming this, mm, you know, interesting. Manager. It was a good, it, in my head, it made sense. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's cool. That's a very visual way of explaining it. I like it.
0: It makes me feel better about myself, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) it's a tough one though. We should have a whole nother conversation around how do you make that? I think that the next piece is like, how do you cross that chasm? Once you're at that pinch point, totally, it's, it's tough going to director. So it's, hard, it's so tough. And then from director to VP is another. Oh, that,
2: I I know? love having conversations. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love asking folks. I love asking like folks in RC suite and VPs who have done that. And for me personally, it's definitely been a it's a journey. <laughs> it's know? a
0: journey. It's a journey. And I think you have to be okay with that. So when you think about your own journey. What are some of those thrills and chills of your own career? This is the title of this podcast. We have talked a lot about <laughs> some really good stuff here that you've done at Ironclad, but whole, more holistic. What do you think about when you think? Oh my God. And I, I
2: love this question. I love the title of this podcast. Okay. So I, I'll start with the chills because I think, first of all, I think all, all my chills are things that in in hindsight are actually blessings. Like when you sure. think back and you're like, oh, I'm glad that happened. But one, these are just ones that come to mind immediately. Like when I think of just, they just pop into my mind is one time we were pitching to a really, really uh, important customer. And it was, let I'll just say it was like a big prestigious bank okay. And it was myself and my CEO and one of our sales account executives and maybe a few other people on the line. And the customer was on the phone and we were just doing like a simple round of introductions. And I, for some, for reasons that uh, evade me, even to this day, I started stuttering JD. I Uh, don't know why, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Have you, thank oh, you. Yeah. That makes me yeah. feel better for
2: saying this. But yeah. I remember—I actually don't think anybody else in that room recalls me stuttering. But I remember Jason, my CEO, looking at me with this expression of "you good," and I was like. <laughs> 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 and after that, I was like, I'm not really sure what happened there. I was so embarrassed by it. But this is this goes to what we were talking about earlier too. I'm sure it had to do with feeling like an imposter. I'm sure it had to do with not feeling confident in that moment to be speaking to such an important customer, but literally within a couple hours, it was, it had receded from my consciousness and I realized it's fine. <laughs> it yeah. was like totally fine. Yeah. And I think again, that kind of like goes to breaking apart the imposter syndrome where like the worst things that could happen aren't really it's it's not so bad so <laughs> uh, that's oh, I've been one there. of them <laughs> I've, been
0: there. I've been there like for me <laughs> i stutter when two things happen one my brain is moving faster than my mouth and i oh, can't yeah. get it out quick enough the second one is it's almost like imagine like you ran like you just sprinted to the stop sign and back and you're yeah. out of breath and it's like that kind of uh it's almost, I know it's out of breath stuttering, but it's like whenever you get just overwhelmed. I think it was the like latter
2: for it's me. Like I, I think that it was like physical response. Exactly. You're just so excited. And, but yeah, it was I, so I'm funny. there. I'm
0: there. You Chicago hate to see it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think other chills are just, there's, just, that was like a funny example, but the other chills just have to do with, there's just so many high pressure moments when you're building a company where when you're in like the nadir of it all and you're just like I don't know if this is going to get that much better but if you're it sounds really gloomy and it's it's hard to it's hard to explain without an example but it's just there are just so many things that happen all the time but I think something one of my actually why who is our chief customer officer told me once was when you're at a startup, you just got to, you just got to push through, like Mm. just push through every couple of months. It's a new experience. It's a new, almost like company. And that's what makes it so hard. This is like the chilling part of it. But if you push through, you can learn something and you can come out the other side and you get the thrill. So this is my thrill actually is I feel like being at this company is like going is like a butterfly or a caterpillar going into the chrysalis and like every couple of months, like in the chrysalis, it's hard. But then when you stick through it and you emerge from the other side, you always learn something really profound. And that has been really a great privilege in my career. And then the other thrill I would say is just, it goes back to the people points, just like working with people that you respect and you admire and who push you is just the absolute greatest joy because you spend all your time with people you work with. So if you have the privilege of working with folks that you enjoy working with and who are also really challenging to work with not like challenging in the sense of mean, but just they literally (laughs) challenge you. Sure, It's pretty magical.
0: So it's pretty rewarding. Thank you, Stacey. I I can definitely, I'm gonna take a guess here. You are the like storyteller PMM. I I definitely appreciate (laughs) Nadir. I haven't heard that one in a long time. (laughs) So I'm guessing I don't want to challenge you in any kind of crosswords uh, as well. So (laughs) no, but thanks again. I'm
2: a storyteller for sure.
0: Tell it? No, I love it. Thanks again. I'm gonna have to like really think through a lot of things that you said because you did a uh, such a great job of just walking us through being the first PMM, those challenges, what to look for in the company, now Series D, what you're looking for in the PMM. So I hope everyone out there listening, you got a lot of amazing nuggets and takeaways that I did. So Stacy, thanks again for coming on. Thrills and chills. I will definitely make sure to leave a link for that LinkedIn profile, <laughs> but you. also. To get more PMMs working underneath you.
2: Thank you so much for having me, JD. I really appreciate it.
1: Salespeople want short, digestible insights. They don't want 17-page decks that are scattered across the web and who knows where clue makes it easy to create and deliver battle cards in a pinch sales teams can find them easily with all the insights they need on how to handle their competitors while working a deal and with clue it's not just sales teams who want battle cards the product team customer success and marketing they all compete too now everyone can compete to win
0: for any of you wondering how to put together a competitive enablement program or build battle cards that your sales team will love, head over to clue.com slash thrills. That's K-L-U-E dot com slash thrills. Tell them that I sent you, and they'll set you up with a bunch of free resources that you can use to get started. Don't forget to subscribe, as we'll be back next Thursday. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, things you liked, things you want to hear, anything else, please email podcasts at sharebird.com. Dot .com that's podcast plural at sharebird.com This podcast is produced by Sharebird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It's a place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. A special thanks to Alex for helping bring this show to life. Jolisha is our senior editor. Serbi is our master scheduler. Our podcast art was designed by Vika Karpitsky. Our music is by Joachim Karud and Of course, Jason and Katie over at Clue. As always, thanks for listening.